Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Hiya, welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew Pierce, and I'm coming to you from Bulu, Perth, Western Australia, the land of Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. Sovereignty never ceded. We Are Still Here is a First Nations anthology film featuring the directing works and writing works from Chantelle Burgoyne, Dina Curtis, Richard Curtis, Mario Gower, Danielle McLean, Mickey Maxiva, Renee Mahi, Tracy Rigney, Tim Worrell, Sam Painter, Tiroa Rewetti, and supervising director Beck Cole. It is a film that spans from the past to the present and into the future, and is a response to 250 years of colonisation after the arrival of Captain Cook in Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Island nations. It is a very powerful film, and also one that has a bit of cheek, is a bit of humour. There is a, a range of genres and styles in this film that ranges from uh, animation to reflective westerns to future science fiction style filmmaking and storytelling. It is quite powerful. There is also a bit of a war story as well too. I learnt a lot from this film and I enjoyed it quite immensely. And I also really enjoyed being able to talk with Dina Curtis about her entry in the anthology Woke, which features a co-lead performance from Sean Munninger and Robert Taylor, who, Sean, you might know from High Ground, and Robert Taylor, you might know from the uh, popular series Longmire. It's a powerful short that pulls back in time and presents colonial central Australia and the fractious relationship between Taylor's colonizer, who is lost, and Munninger's Nawari, who guides him back home to a truth that he doesn't want to hear. Dina also talks about her career and what has changed in the 20 years since she started working on film and now. And I really enjoyed being able to talk with Dina and, you know, she's a really fantastic and wonderful person who uh, I got to spend quite a bit of time chatting with her about her work. Not only We Are Still Here, which is in cinemas from February 16th, tomorrow, Australian cinemas, and there will be Q&A sessions around the nation uh, with various cast and crew members. I highly recommend heading across to the Facebook page for further details to both pick up tickets and check out where it is screening in your local areas. Um, but also keep in mind as well that Dina is also going to be part of the AIDC, Australian International Documentary Conference, which is coming up very soon. And we touch on that a bit later in the actual interview. And Dina provides a little bit more information about that at the end of this particular interview. Anyhow, there's enough rambling from me. Let's listen to the trailer, which is played uh, before the, the launch of the film at the Sydney Film Festival in 2022. And yeah, then we'll jump into the interview with Dina.
Tuturu o whitiwhaka maua ki a tīna. Tāia. Hume, I want to go back to the initial discussions about coming on board to work on We Are Still Here. What were they like and how did they take place? Well, initially We Are Still Here was actually an initiative created by, you know, Screen Australia Indigenous Department and the New Zealand Film Commission was in Australia. It was called the Cook Right of Reply 2020 and in New Zealand it was Napu Whenua. And so the idea of the initiative was that it was our right of reply to the 250th anniversary of Cook sailing into the Pacific region. And so it was about, you know, creating stories or telling stories that, you know, were past, present and future. And so they put a call out for story ideas and the initiative was, you know, four filmmakers from Australia and then four filmmakers from New Zealand and the and the South Pacifica region, you know, were encouraged to apply. And yeah, and it was a story about, you know, our right of reply to 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 colonization. Was there a discussion between you all about what kind of stories you would all be telling, or was it more just presenting your idea and then going from there? For the application we had to, you know, put forward a story and an outline of what that story would be and why we wanted to tell it you know, that, you know, traditional kind of screen story application. You know, those who were selected, we all got together. So the New Zealanders team teams came over to Australia and we spent a week at the at Kangaroo Valley uh, workshopping the film and what it would be. So we all brought our ideas and we all sat around a table, which was incredibly exciting but intimidating as well in that, you know, we had to be very open and honest about our stories and we were really encouraged to be you know, to give feedback and to be honest about that feedback about each other's stories. There was a a session where we broke away and we talked, you know, in smaller groups about what our films were. And then when we came back, we had to give a pitch of what that film was. And some of the filmmakers from that conversation actually changed their stories completely and had new films to tell or new films to develop that they thought would be better fitted for the the anthology. I love that kind of the conversation and the what emerges out of a conversation and discussing with everybody else. What surprised you about that process and discussing the film with everybody else? For me personally, it was about how my story would fit into the bigger picture. And I think very quickly, you know, from the discussion, it was all very clear that none of us wanted to make a film about Cook. You know, it was very much about our perspective and who we are as Indigenous people in Australia and, you know, Māori and the South Pacifica people in New Zealand. So it was very much about us and our journey and experience through colonisation or pre-colonisation and what might happen into the future. So that was very quickly agreed upon from everybody, all the creatives in the room, is that we didn't want to tell anything. This wasn't about Cook, it was about us. Yeah, it was kind of about how does work fit into the bigger picture and you know then how is do these stories complement each other how do we want the anthology to be and also very quickly we all agreed that we didn't want to just tell an anthology with you know chapters or standalone films we wanted to be way more ambitious and try and interweave them and so each film would contribute to a bigger story I I do love how it all flows into one another and 
informs each other's story and it's yeah it's brilliant the themes of resilience and survival run through each of those stories as well and I wonder if you can talk about what those themes mean to you and how you shaped your script around those themes um I think like those themes kind of bubbled to the surface naturally given the stories that we all wanted to tell and I think for me as a filmmaker a lot of the you know those themes resonate in a lot of my work whether it's drama or documentary and I just think I don't I think I feel like it's a natural they're natural themes that kind of come up given Australia's history and you know where First Nations people are are in Australia and what their journey has been throughout history I feel like the resilience and and um, survival is a is a very common theme that bubbles up through most stories and I don't you know I don't kind of intend to you know I don't set out to make films about you know survival and resilience but I think just by the characters and who they are that naturally comes out. I want to talk about the title of Woke as well which carries a myriad of connotations and it's kind of the term has changed over the years almost to become an insult in some capacity and I'm curious for you what it means uh, in the context of your story in We Are Still Here. When I first wrote the film, it was a really waxy name. It was like Traveller. And I was like, oh, that's hugely exciting. But then once I started to think more about those themes and, you know, the the message of the film and what that was, I, I thought, I felt like, you know, and this was written in 2019, I think, was it? Was, yeah, was when the concept came about. Um, So for me, I thought Woke was a very fitting uh, title in terms of, the subtext of the film, you know, and and the journey of the character or the characters in the film became. So for me, it's about becoming aware of your history or of your position in history and how how you can contribute to that or how you can change that in a in a way, you know, moving forward. So that for me, it was kind of more about you know that raising that awareness or becoming woke to that awareness or your um your place in history or yeah. point of time yeah I love the placement of it as well obviously it naturally comes near the the beginning of the story but it helps set up the tone of what we're going to experience as as the film progresses was that a, a notion in your mind that if we we start off with being woke being awake and and being aware of our place in history that it will help inform the rest of the stories was that a concept there for you um, no, I don't. I didn't um, initially set out to for it to be, you know, one of the first films in the in the in the film. But I think through the development and through the construction of the the script, and then the film in post production, it kind of became quite evident that you know certain films complemented each other. And I think Woke and Tapuru, given the time and the themes within each film, complemented each other and they kind of did set up the tone of the film but kind of set up that the, the journey of history where you've got, you know, Lewis is like, you know, around that similar time as well or it's kind of that pre-colonisation, like right at the very dawn of colonisation and then Tapuru and Woke were kind of in those early days when, you know, our countries were still the Wild West really and being settled the frontiers you know were still being kind of settled so yeah I think in terms of the linear story it made sense to be early but in tonally it also kind of set up that journey of history 
Let's talk about the casting as well. They've got two really great performances at the the centre of your story. How did you go about casting those two roles? When I wrote Riley, who's the explorer, I had always had in my mind I didn't want him to be obviously the bad guy, you know, or the evil dude or the colonizer. I wanted him to seem quite innocent and harmless and kind of he's just this dude who's happened to get lost and he needs help you know like there's no harm no foul kind of thing and so I was kind of looking wanting to find an an actor or a performer who had that the look of the look of innocence uh, but also there's a darkness behind the eyes I think and I think I had watched Robert Taylor you know, all like five seasons of Longmire and I thought, oh, my God, he's like a really great character. And I was, so, and I thought I could, you know, throughout that I saw various things in that character echoed Riley and I kind of felt, you know, he had the look, he had like, he, he was around the right age and he had that kind of rugged, you know, explorer kind of frontier colonizer kind of look about him and I thought he would be really great to play Riley and that he um, could also ride a, ride a horse, which he's had to spend like 95% of his time on. So that was also led into it. And then for Nguade, who, you know, is played from, played by Sean Munangara, I think he was a very easy pick for me, I think, because he, he's such a strong performer and he has such an expressive face. And that was really important for his character because his character, A, doesn't speak English and B, very rarely you know, speaks Aranda. So it was very important that he could tell his story through his looks and through his actions, but quite in a minimal way. And I think Sean is such a powerful actor and the things that he does just resonates uh, very strongly on screen. So, What kind of direction did you give Sean as well? Because his, as you're talking about, his his performances are very, there's so much going on in his face that you can tell and you read into and and get the complete history of who he is as a person. And I'm curious what kind of direction or guidance you gave him to help get him into the place for that character. I mean, I think we had an initial conversation of just about who his character was and that, you know, he was a family man and he was protecting his family and, you know, he's quite staunch and proud. And I mean, I think, I think Sean kind of understood that character and, the you know what happens to him throughout history and that you know he was on a mission like he had one final thing to do and he was on a mission to that and basically excuse my French but it was a big it was a fuck you you know Mm. he's like I'm going and so it was kind of and I said to him it's about really there's so much anger and revenge under the surface but you have you know, you have to trick this dude. You have to play along. You have to play his game to get him where you want so you get the last laugh or, you know, last laugh. And I think Sean really um, just understood that and kind of understood the history of what the story was and, and the message of, of the story. Obviously, this was shot in Central Australia and I'm curious what, what telling stories in Central Australia means to you. You know, for me, it's I'm from Central Australia. That's where I grew up. That's who I, you know, it's a part of me. It's who I am, you know, and I grew up in the bush a lot. You know, I spent a lot of my childhood out there and I just think that I have very strong 
my connection to that country is very strong and I feel, you know, there are so many stories about my ancestors and my family that haven't been told or kind of aren't seen on television or I think, you know, they they can be used to make a point, not used to make a point, but, you know, I think they reflect certain times or, you know, what it's like to be in Australia but not necessarily on the coast or regional, you know, I think it's a very remote part of the world. And I think it's, for me, I think it's absolutely beautiful. And and I absolutely love telling stories there. You know, that's my comfort zone and that where I belong. And I really want to reflect and celebrate and portray the, you know, my family connections and language and culture on screen and share that with everybody. It is a beautiful part of the world. It's been, unfortunately, it's been a very long time since I've been there, but my memories of that part of the world are just so vivid and strong because, you know, the the landscape is is stunning. It's just a lovely space. And getting to see it on screen here, I was just, uh, it's a wonderfully transportive thing. So uh, thank you for very, for very much to for telling this story on that land and being able to showcase that part of the world because i think the thing is for a lot of australia as you mentioned if we we tend to focus on coastal regions we tend to focus on the beaches or you know maybe glamorous city city vistas and stuff like that and we don't often get to see the central part of australia so that's really quite beautiful to be able to see it on screen yeah thank you and I think just also for me there's such a familiarity from I can't even say that word you know it's so familiar <laughs> that I feel very comfortable in using my story ability to portray that land and to use that landscape to enhance my stories as well. Like we work well together. We we've got a shorthand, so yeah. I think so very important. With that in mind, you've been working in Australian media and film and TV for almost two decades now. What has changed since you began and now? Oh, I think there's a, I think a lot has changed. I mean, for me, starting out, there was, a, I mean, I guess there was probably a handful of, you know, writer, directors, producers, cameramen when I was first in, you know, coming into the industry, uh, you know, and I, I decided one of the best pieces of advice I got was, you know, get a craft and then you can go from that you know, don't be a jack of all trades. So, you know, I kind of looked around the industry when I came into it and I went, there's, you know, there's Indigenous people as producers, as writers, as directors in those, you know, pivotal key creative roles. But then the other, you know, important key creative role is an editor. And we don't really have, you know, there weren't really any Indigenous editors when I first started. I mean, there might have been one or two editors. Uh, so, so when I started, I was like, yeah, I want to I want to be an editor. So I trained as an editor and I did that for a long time before relenting and moving into writing, directing and producing like everybody else. But I think for me, like the biggest thing is that in terms of storytelling, like our craft is, you know, it's always been top of the game, but it just continues to excel and, and you know, get stronger and stronger. But I also feel like when we... When I first started out, we were telling stories or writing stories or, you know, making films about 
the things that we had to talk about, you know, that we had to heal about, that we had to bring to the forefront, that we had to make people aware of and understand our history and where we've come from. And I think those stories will always have a place in our filmmaking and they're important and they should always be, you know, told and and shared. But I think, you know, throughout the years of kind of we've come to a point now where we're telling stories that we want to tell, you know. We're telling the superhero stories. We're telling the vampire stories, you know, the cop shows. Like we're, we're you know, we're kind of, we're branching out and we're being creative and flexing that really strong story muscle in other genres and celebrating our culture and our people in different ways than from when we first started out. And I think, I think for me, that's been the kind of the biggest and most noticeable journeys that we've come you know we started at a place where we really needed to heal and that's still happening but also we're we're at a place where we're where we're celebrating and we're just you know showing off about how great we are which I think (laughs) is an important thing you know I think it's, it's important and I think just the number of creatives as well and how our industry has grown you know and become really an important part of the Australian film industry and that that continues to grow. And I think, you know, we've kind of, the Indigenous film industry has paved ways where other, you know, diverse groups and that are able to kind of follow, I think, which is really important, I think. Uh, I mean, you mentioned vampires and, of course, Firebite, which is so awesome. <laughs> it's so great. So congratulations on on that. That's a really great show. Um, what's it like having being part of something like that? I I love Warwick. He's just got this crazy, you know, crazy brain. He thinks of you know the things that he comes up with are, are great, and his you know the way he tells stories are really kind of unique and interesting and poignant. And I think Firebite was no different. Um, I think it was a lot of fun. Like it was crazy in terms of production from, you know, like 12 months from yeah. script to screen. Uh, that was pretty intense, but it was fun to be out to, I love vampires. Uh, you know, that's my favorite thing other than zo- not zombies or anything. So, yeah. So it was really fun to be a part of something that I really enjoy watching and to be able to create that I think was fun and to be able to, you know, it's something that hasn't been on screen in Australia before. But yeah, it was it was fun, uh, but it was really intense as well. I can imagine. Yeah, I do want to talk about you're on the AIDC panel. You've got a great panel at AIDC. If we can just, I've been doing a little bit of coverage for that at the moment, and uh, I'm really excited about AIDC. I love AIDC, and I'm curious if you can talk about that by any chance and and what that panel might bring and the discussions you're looking forward to to having there yeah so the AIDC panel First Nations knowledge through documentary it's about First Nations sites and I'm developed well I'm actually in post-production now on a series called First Weapons for the ABC so it's six half hours and it's a show that looks at the science behind traditional weaponry so across Australia, the presenters Phil Breslin, and he journeys across Australia and meet he meets six weapon makers and and learns about six different weapons. And so he right from the beginning, it's learning about 
the sourcing, the crafting and the using of the weapons on country, learning that inherent knowledge and the inherent science that kind of what those weapon makers have learnt through generation and, you know, and continue to practice today and then brings it to the city and, you know, unpacks the science of each weapon and then which culminates in a celebration of a, you know, contemporary challenge or uh, something like that at the end of each episode. So it's, um, I mean, it's a show that I've worked on for a very long time. I think it's almost 10, so it's about nine years it's taken to get the show, you know, on on screen. And, yeah, I'm extremely excited about it. It's a show, it's very formatty. It's a production with Blackfella Films. Um, so Blackfella Films are the producers and, yeah, it's a format series for ABC and it celebrates the uh, science behind traditional weapons. And it's it's a fun show. It's kind of like a cross between Mythbusters, Body Hack, Top Gear. That sounds exciting. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. And nine years is a long time, so you must be thrilled to be nearing the end of it, you know, <laughs> and getting it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit surreal in that, yeah, that it's actually finally, like, on screen. You know, it's nearly made. It was interesting. Yeah. I went back through other, you know, the development and the sizzle reel and stuff, and I was kind of watched the sizzle reel after we shot it and cut the first few episodes, and I was like, Oh yeah, it's kind of like it it's what we set out to do, set out to make. So I'm very pleased about that. Nice. Um, one last question about we are still here, which is a great broad, great group of people that you're working alongside there. But I'm curious if you can talk about the other films and if there's any that really stand out for you as a really important one or one that you particularly appreciate. Obviously they're all great, but um, yeah. if there's one that stands out for you <laughs> yeah I mean I think they're all fantastic films and they're very all very special in their own way it's a hard question I don't particularly have one that is my standout favorite I kind of love each of them for different things I guess I mean I really love Lured which is the animation one for this this the poetic storytelling of it and I think the initial story I mean while there's sentiments of the original you know story that Danielle had created it was just beautiful I think in in the way that it's told and or in the way that she expresses that time in history and just kind of how you know how that bloodline or has continued throughout from colonization through to colonization through to the world and then how you can those ties are never quite lost and you cannot you always you'll always find your way home i think that for me you know is is really beautiful tapuru i think is just uh i just love that the story of how courage and bravery really shaped their history and it, it kind of it was the you know that was the origins or one of the origin stories of how the haka came to be. And so I feel like that was really important. And then I just love, you know, uniform, which, you know, the army guy, you know, is all by himself. And I think you can kind of, you understand that the isolation and the loneliness and and how, you know, and how that unfolds. And 
So I think, I mean, for me, and then, you know, Grog Shop, I just love the fact that, you know, he's buying Grog so he can flirt with the with the with the checkout chick, you know, like yeah. I just I love it. But also, you know, I also, you know, I come from Central Australia and I know Alice Springs very well and I know that the social issues there and the you know, the laws about where police officers, you know, that's an actual real thing that happens every day in Alice Springs. You know, you have to show your driver's license to get into it to buy alcohol. And then whether you get to keep it or not is, you know, is up to them and whether they like you or whatever. It's kind of, um, I think it's a very poignant film and a very timely film. And it's, it talks a lot about, you know, social issues in Alice Springs, which yeah. are coming to it now. Or, you know, has been brought even more into the news cycle, I guess, at the moment with the way that Alice Springs is. But, I, yeah, I really love how they use the romantic comedy to talk about something quite yeah. important and quite serious. Yeah, and then Blankets, you know, I think was quite brave in terms of being very forward-thinking and that, it, you know, it really leans on the thing of always was, always will be. And that we've we've been here for so long, and we're still going to be here in a thousand years. Love that, and so it's all all the different story, you know, all the different messages and the individuality, and you know, all the filmmakers are very talented. So I think it's very hard to pick a favorite. But yeah, it was a great answer though. It nice and run through all of them. I love it, <laughs> and I love watching the film. Like it's it's been really great to see like here out west and then we're still here and then there's that uh the melbourne one coming up which i've seen these anthology stories and these these films are coming more and more uh present which is really great because it's a getting to see a whole bunch of different stories but also getting to see a whole bunch of different creative people like yourself tell these stories and it's wonderful it's you know turning out to be some of the best films that we've had in a long time so there's a lot to be proud of and uh, thank you very much for your work and and your time and being able to talk about it. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed the film and hopefully I'll see you at ARDC maybe. Yeah, well, I'll I'll be there digitally. So unfortunately, because I'm based in <laughs> Perth, I only get to see these things digitally, but I do, I'm a real documentary fan, so uh, I'm very envious of everybody who gets to be there in person. I I think just one thing to add about that session, because I just talked all about me. I think, it, the, you know, the other really interesting and exciting thing about that session is talking about Indigenous sciences and different ways of presenting that knowledge for screen. I think that's a really interesting and important thing because there's so many different ways to tell a story. I think that's one of my the other things that I've learned over the over my course of my career is, you know, there is a home for every story and we can tell themes and talk about issues and talk about, you know, like sciences and our culture in different ways and on different platforms. And so it's not kind of, you know, when I first started, it was like, oh, I've got this Indigenous story. Oh, no, we've already got an Indigenous story. We can't tell, tell possibly tell another Indigenous story, you know. So that attitude has is kind of falling by the wayside now and people are becoming more open to telling more diverse stories about different cultures or the same culture in a different way so i think that's really exciting as well love this podcast support it and sponsor today simply head to oscastnetwork.com for details 
Something grand is coming to Nemecolon. Opening fall 2023, the Grand Lodge will surprise and delight with 56 stunning suites and five-star butler services. Indulge in libations at the Circle Bar and the Study before you savor the new and enchanting Fawn and Fable restaurant, where the best parts of a traditional steakhouse and a fairy tale castle create a magical dining experience. With fine dining, a spa, and over 100 adventure, golf, art, and wildlife experiences, whatever your imagination holds, Nemecolon has the key. Visit nemecolon.com for more information.